Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight that that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you guys would, I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And if we're, I'm going to go back to that first slide and we're going to, we're going to read this together on the count of three, after I say three, not when I say three, right? If I say three even, right? One, two, three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, So we are in week three of of a six-week series called The Race, Uh, a series where uh, we've been spending the majority of our time unpacking and going through pretty much verse by verse those three verses that that we just read together. Now imagine that you're sitting at a table at your favorite restaurant. And on a count of three, I want everybody to shout out the name of their favorite restaurant. One, two, three. Phillips Crab House. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're at your favorite restaurant, and imagine that you're there at the invitation of Jesus. Like I mean, Jesus, the Savior King, the Alpha and Omega, the great I Am, is sitting across the table from you, and you've just ordered your meals. I have a picture of Jesus right here for us. And and as you're waiting for the food to arrive, Jesus says with with eyes and words that seem to, to penetrate into your inner being, he says your name, and then Jesus asks you a series of questions. Jesus asks you, so, how's the race going? Are you running well? He asks you, are you confident that when you reach the end of your earthly life, and you will reach it, that you will hear from me, the author and perfecter of your faith, the words, well done, good and faithful servant. He asks you, are you confident that when you finish the race, that you will have kept the faith and received the prize, the crown of life, that will never fade away. Then he asks you, hey, if I told you that your race is going to end before we even get to have dessert, like in 30 minutes, would you be excited? Or would you be a little bit anxious? And then finally, as the server nears your table carrying the meals, Jesus leans in closer, and he says with piercing conviction, he says your name, then he says, do you even want to run the, race, run the race well. Seriously, do you? Do you want to run the race well? 
Question, if that dinner actually took place, and Jesus really looked in the eyes and asked you those questions, what, what would your responses be? What, what, what should they be? Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that would be a pretty uncomfortable pre-dinner conversation. Uh, like, I would be hoping that somebody, anybody, a server, somebody that thought they knew me, I don't care who they were, would just kind of interrupt the whole thing. Listen, that's why we're doing the series. Because I want to run and finish the race well. Because I, 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 want, to, I, I want to run the race better and with more intentionality and determination than I've ever run it before. You see, I know that I need and should and must run the race better. And I really do want to hear those words when I reach the end of my earthly life. And listen, with every passing day, that gets closer and closer and closer. I mean, just ask Luke, a little guy I met Thursday afternoon as I was ringing on a neighbor's doorbell. He's, I saw him riding his bike. And, and I, I see him and I, I just say, you're a great bike rider. He goes, thank you. And I say, hey, what's your name? And he says, Luke, what's your name? I say, Steve. I say, how old are you, Luke? He says, I'm five. He, he goes, how old are you? <laughs> I said, I'm 58. And he just gave this strange shock look. And as he rode away, he said, you're going to die. <laughs> And I left, walked to my car laughing my butt off. If you wonder where my butt went, well, that's the end. Yes, when I die, and like Luke says, it could be any minute, I so want to hear Jesus say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter your master's joy. And when I cross that finish line tape, I want to receive the prize, the everlasting crown that will never fade or pass away. And I want you, my friends, to hear those same words and receive that same prize. Again, that's why we're doing this series. Because for those things to happen, we must run the race well. And we all can and must run better. And so the question, I guess, is, do you even want to run the race well? Right? Do you? And if you don't, the door is there. You can just leave because it's not going to even apply to you. But if you do want to run the race well, i got good news. You're at the right place at the right time. Because the words that we are unpacking that God breathed uh, 2,000 years ago they tell us, they teach us, they inform us, they lay out for us how we can do just that, run the race well. And here's the deal. If you want to run the race well, you must lean and keep on leaning into these living and active truths. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, every weight that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles. I understand when you get tired and weary, discouraged and beaten down in the race. And the truth is, some of you, that's where you are right now. When you want to quit, when you want to give up, 
When you want to stop running, you must. Now, initially, my notes I had, you need. You need to. But listen, this stuff ain't a need to. It's a must, right? It's not optional, right? Yeah, when you're tired and you're weary, discouraged and broken down in the race, when you want to quit and give up, you want to tap out, you want to throw in the towel, you want to stop running, you need to remember the witnesses. You need to remember that, that great cloud of witnesses that surrounds you. The men and women of faith, like those in Hebrews chapter 11, who run before you. And those who, even though they're not here, they, they, they still speak courage and strength into our lives. I mean, I, I can hear them. Like, I can hear Noah, right? A, a guy who spent 120 years building an ark, waiting for the rain to fall, t- speaking, telling us, telling me, telling you, I, I know you're tired, I know you're worn out, I, I know you're discouraged, I, I know the progress is much slower than you thought it would be. I get that, been there, done that like for 120 years, but don't give up, keep running, because I'm telling you, the rain will come, your God is faithful. And I can hear Rahab speaking, telling us, I, I know you're weighed down by your past, by the, by the things that you've done, by, by the things that, that have happened. But you're not your past. So stop letting your past define you. Move forward. Start letting your God define you. No, you cannot undo your past, but you, you can create a new future. And, and you can release the past power on you by by telling a different story about how the past affected you. And I can hear Abraham speaking, telling us. I know things are so uncertain and that the hows and the whys seem so beyond your grasp. Like nothing seems to make sense. Nothing seems to be going right. I mean, you have no idea what to do or where to go or when things will turn around. But hang on, don't quit, keep running. Your God will always be faithful to his promises. And I can hear Samson telling us, I know you think it's just a little thing, but believe me when I tell you, those little things can pile up, and before you know it, they can bring your whole life crashing down. And I can hear David speaking, telling us, I I know the giant in your valley seems really, really big. And I know that his taunts have held you captive for years and and decades. And know on your own, you have no chance. But if you face that giant with God, your giant has no choice. It must fall. You see, to run the race, we need to remember that great cloud of witnesses. And and not just the ones in Hebrews chapter 11, but, but, but there's some people in that cloud that we watch, right? With their own eyes run that race. I got a name written down. I wrote down the name Judy Malone, my first wife who died of cancer. She's in that cloud, and she encourages me, and she tells me to keep on going. She reminds me what it's all about and and, and why it's worth it. And you also must throw off everything. You must throw off, you must set aside, and push out of reach every weight that hinders. And and here's the deal. Here's what... Here's what makes this so hard and so difficult and something I did not even know until like a week or two ago. 
We discover on October 26th that the, the sin that so easily entangles us and makes it so difficult to throw off every weight that hinders is the sin of unbelief. You see, it's really hard to, to throw off the, the weight of, of worry and anxiety if you don't believe that the God is the creator and sustainer of the universe, if you don't believe that God is before all things, over all things, and holds all things together, it's hard to throw off anxiety and worry if you don't believe that the God you worship is the God who breathes out stars, who holds oceans in the palm of his hands, and that he's the God who cares about you, and the God who cares about what happens in your life. And it's hard to throw off the weight of religion, trying to measure up and earn and deserve your salvation if you don't believe that God's mercies are new every morning, that his grace is enough, and that salvation is found in Christ alone. And it's hard to throw off the weight of the need of the approval of other people if you don't believe that the approval and acceptance of the sovereign king of the universe for you is real, and that his approval is better than the approval you could ever get from anybody, anytime, anywhere. And it's really hard to throw off the desire for picking up unnecessary, not needed stuff. If we don't believe Jesus when he said that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And it's hard to throw off the weight of your sin struggles. And you got that. Unless you believe that Jesus is better than any sin you could ever experience. And unless you believe that even though you're a Christian, that your sin still matters. John wrote in 1 John, anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. When, keep, when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. You need to throw off your sin struggles. And you have them. And to do that, you got to believe, you know what? Jesus is better. Sin matters. And you need to believe what, what Paul said in, in Romans chapter 6. He said that sin is no longer your master. See, we need to throw off the the sin that so easily entangles, throw off unbelief. And listen, when we do that, all these other weights that hinder us will begin to fall to the ground. You hear what I'm saying? It's about belief. And how do we throw off unbelief? Well, one way, right? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, Romans 10, 17. You have to run their weights. Remember the witnesses. So many of them. Throw off everything that, every weight that hinders, right? You just can't run carrying that stuff. And, and, and the, this morning we're going to unpack the final phrase. In verse 1, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In a conversation called run your race. Before we do that, I have a brief commercial. Uh, you maybe heard Courtney mention the last several weeks that we're having a Thanksgiving offering the final two weeks of November. You know, if you ever flip the bulletin aside, I never read the bulletin, by the way. <laughs> you know, I don't. Maybe I should. 
makes great paper airplanes, I hear. Um, I want you to take the connection card off. But anyhow, uh, we're, we're taking a special offer. And, you know, if you look at the back of the bulletin, you can see that we're a little bit behind in our, our budget, our needs to what's actually come in. Now, we, we, our staff is awesome. Our ministry team leaders are awesome. They've, they've cut spending, you know, so we're, you know, we're not really in a huge, massive hole. But it'd be nice to have them not have to worry so much and not have their ministries limited, you know. So, you know, if we all together, right, I think we have a lot to be thankful for as a church. Like the church is Jesus' bride who, and body, right? And, and so just the last two Sundays in November, you can give online. If you do that, just make, hey, it's for Thanksgiving. You, we got some envelopes back there. You can make a note on your check, right? And together we, we can make a difference. Now let's pray into the day's conversation. Lord, Lord, I want to run a race well. And I want to hear the words you have today. I want to hear what you want to say to me and through me. And, and I pray for those in this room who really want to run the race well. And who are honest enough with themselves to know that they could do a whole lot better. I pray that all of us will just lean in. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I'm, really, I'm going to get really creative with my outline. There's three points. Run with perseverance the race marked out. Well, it wasn't, that, was, that was really creative. I worked hard on that one. Hey, listen, if you want to run your race well, you must Run. And my microphone is slowly falling down my shirt. <laughs> Fear visitor, what can I tell you? <laughs> I just felt it go, either that's a snake crawling down my shirt or my microphone is slipping. Uh, I was with submarine radiation, that's my excuse. You must run. That seems pretty obvious, right? I mean, it'd be crazy for a person to sign up for and enter a race and then not to run. I mean, to just lace up your shoes, put on your running gear, slap on your racing bib, and then sit down just would not make any sense. Question, does anybody here like to run? You don't have to raise your hands because some people do, right? But Yes, we're raising like one person. Anybody love Jesus? Oh, man, dang. Only one people, person loves Jesus in the room. So you don't have to raise your hand. But uh, some of you like to run. And, you know, have you ever entered a race? And, and so let me ask those who, who run. When the race starts, do you immediately sit down or do you usually run? Now, I don't like to run. I've never entered an official race. But despite my limited knowledge and experience, it seems to me, that the whole point of entering a race is to run. I mean, what would you think of a runner, right? That, that, that once, the, once the race starts, right? The race starts and he does this. And someone says, hey, are you here to watch the race? You're like, no. I'm, not, I'm in the race. I mean, look at my shoes, right? I mean, you'd be like, something's not right. That just doesn't make sense. And here's where I'm going with this. See, if you're a Jesus follower, 
If you've willingly surrendered your life to him, you've entered the race. And therefore, it's not time to sit down in your lawn chair. It's time for you to, to run. It, let me be clear. Your option to run or not to run ended the day you surrendered your life to Jesus. It, and if somehow you thought that you were, that you entered a race where running was optional, you surrendered to the wrong Lord and Savior. Get it? Good. Now, as you survey the landscape of your own church experience, be it one year or, or 70 or somewhere in between, did it look to you like everybody was actually running? To run well, you must run with perseverance. Perseverance. The Greek word, hupomeno. I probably said that wrong. I can't say American words right. I love that word, though. It means remaining under. Oh, I like the picture it, 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 it presents. It's this picture of a, of a lot of weight, of a lot of things, of a lot of stress, of a lot of stuff pressing down on you. Even, but yet, even though it's pressing down on you, you what? You remain under, right? It, it doesn't crush you. Now, the English word perseverance means steady persistence in a course of action, a purpose, a state, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. The cinnamons, grit, endurance, persistence, tenacity, steadfastness, doggedness, movability, spunk, moxie. <laughs> I like the moxie, right? So if, if we're to run with perseverance... If we're to run with spunk and moxie, just how do we develop that? Well, well, there's two ways in, 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 that I see in Scripture or supported by Scripture to develop moxie, <laughs> endurance, perseverance. One is through training. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is uh, he, he, he's comparing the Christian life to a race, and he says the following, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict what? Strict training. You see, running the race is not about trying harder, it's about training wisely. Not about trying harder, it's about training wisely. Um, many of us, you know, I know I'm one of them, you know, are going to watch some football today, right? And, and, and at 1 p.m. when those guys walk into the field, right, the confidence they have in winning is not because they're going to try really, really hard, Right? No, it's because they've been training really, really hard, like, like all year long. I mean, these guys train all week long for 60 minutes of football. I, I don't, again, I don't see myself entering a race anytime soon. But if I did, I, you know what I'd do? I, I'd start to train. It'd be crazy not to, Right? Because I, I want to run the race with perseverance. I, I want to finish it. And I, if I want to do that, I need to be in shape. I need to train. I need to exercise. exercise. I need to eat right. You know, a, 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 and you know, to sit in my lawn chair and eat Twinkies and ice cream, right? That's just not going to do it, right? That's not the training that's going to make it happen, right? It's about training. It's not about, it's not about trying. 
In like manner, in the Christian life, perseverance requires ongoing training. Again, run the race is not about trying harder. Well, the next, some, next time somebody hurts me and is mean to me, I'm going to try really, really, really hard not to get mad. How's that been working for you? <laughs> right? It, no, it's, it's about training wisely. And here are some time-tested training regimens that can help you develop and grow in your perseverance. Yeah? None of these are rocket science, right? Regular church attendance, right? Worship and the Word is there. Bible study, prayer, having a personal devotion time with God, giving, serving. And here's the truth. Runners who put these regimens into their life, they run well. They develop perseverance. So how's your training going? Paul said in 1 Timothy that physical training has some value, but training in spiritual things has value in everything. And if you need help with your spiritual training, fill out a connection card and we'd love to talk to you. Another way we develop perseverance is by trusting. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We could probably spend until next Sunday with an open mic time talking about the tough times we went through. Growing up in a relationship, battling illness and disease, having conflict in our life. And we've all faced trials of many kinds. And, and, and in fact, some of you, you're, this is not a, yeah, rearview mirror. It's not something you know is coming. It's something you're in at this very moment. And what James is teaching us is that when we consider them as an opportunity for a pure, independent from circumstances kind of joy, if we, in the face of them, we, we trust in God and, and we lean hard into God and with a childlike faith, we say, God, I, I don't know why I'm going through this. I, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. I'm just trusting you. I'm just placing my faith in you. I'm not going to tell you what outcome I want. I'm just trusting you because you're a good, good, good father. And when we choose not simply to go through hard times, but say, you know what, I'm going to grow through those hard times, God shows up. And, and, and we will begin to develop a, a perseverance that, that will enable us, right, to, to persevere under the next trial, the next difficulty, the next hard time that comes our way, right? Because we'll say, because God is teaching us that he's good, that no matter what happens, he shows up. Training and trusting develops perseverance. To run well, you must run with perseverance to rake marked the race marked out for us. 
You see, we don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder what the race is. God has clearly marked it out for us. And I, and I, I want to just briefly, right, talk about five aspects of the race God marked out for us. I'm not going into detail, you know, because you guys need to train wisely, right? You take your notes home and listen again online. You need to read these scriptures because you want to, want to run the race well. But God says, this is the race. We don't get to choose the race. It's his race, all right? Okay, uh, the race marked out for us is about loving God and loving others. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, right? Nothing new there, right? No one's, no one's shocked, right? Loving God and and loving people. I, I mean, we know that. We memorized it. We got the t-shirt and the coffee mug to prove it. However, the question is, how well are we doing with this loving part of the race? Like, do you really love God? How do you know? Well, I was singing loud and had my hands up in worship, right? How do you know? I mean, like, if God had a love language, what would it be? I know what it is. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commands. 1 John 5, 3, loving God means keeping his commands and his commands are not burdensome. A little earlier in 1 John, he said this, if someone claims I, I, I know God but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar. This is 1 John 2, 4, and 5. If anyone says, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar. He's not living in the truth. But those who obey God's, listen to this, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Those who obey God's words show how completely they love him. God, I don't just love you when I'm lifting my hands in worship. I don't just love you when things are going well. I love you when you ask me to do things that I don't want to do. Like forgive those who hurt me. I don't want to do it. But I love you. So I will. How are you doing at loving God? How are you doing at loving others? And, and I think one of the best ways for us to do that is we take that template that, that God had for love in 1 Corinthians 13, and we, we look at all the people in our lives, our family, our, our friends, our coworkers, our, our fellow church people, our neighbors, and we say, okay, how am I doing at loving all these people this way? Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, not easily angered. It, this is, this is a tough one, right? Anybody struggle with this one? It keeps no record of wrongs. You got a record of wrong in your back pocket, right? You didn't think it was there until you got mad at them, and then you pulled it out again, right? I thought I was over it, but now you just ticked me off, and guess what, sucker? Right here, right here's the list. I got the record right here, right? Love doesn't do that. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
The race marked out for us is a race about leaving the things of the world. Do not love the world or the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, a pride in our own achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but everyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You see, running this race is about leaving the things of the world. It's about leaving the craving for physical pleasure. It's about leaving the desire to have more and more and more of the world's stuff and possessions. It's about leaving the desire for seeking achievements for the pride that it brings us and the approval and popularity it gets us. Man, that sounds like our world, doesn't it? And you know what? John gives a very compelling motive for leaving the things of this world. The world is fading away along with everything that people crave. I'm going to say right now, we're going to, I'm going to, this leaving things of the world, the other three aspects we're going to talk about next week. I love doing that. But, but, The world is fading away along with everything that people crave, okay? Imagine, imagine you were in a time machine and you went back to April the 10th, 1912. And you're over there in England. And you still know what you know today. And someone said, hey, you know what? You look pretty awesome. I I wanna give you a ticket to ride on this awesome new boat. It's called the Titanic. Awesome. And you know what? I, I, I want to give you like one of the best rooms, man. Like, I mean, this room is a first class room on this ship. Let's see that picture of this first class room. Do we have it? Boom. Like, like, it's like, you're like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm in, I'm in like the best room. I got like the best stuff. Who would get on that ship? You wouldn't, right? You wouldn't. You know, because we know. See? Now, they didn't know, but, but here's what we know. Here's what we know, church. The things this world craves are fading away. Why would we get on the Titanic? And want the things of the world. Entire life to the things of the world. Entire life to the cravings of physical pleasure. Entire life to, man, how much stuff can I get? How big can I build my nest egg? How much money can I have? How much pleasure can I experience? How much applause can I get? This world, it's all fading away. And so this race that we're to run, it, 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 it's one where we say, you know what? I, I don't want the things of the world. I don't need the things of the world because... Because I have the things of God, and the things of God, you know, they last forever. <clears throat> if some of you are richer, then you know, right? Because you have an inheritance in heaven. Don't get so caught up in the here and now. 
Church, you're in a race. I'm in a race. And to run it well. And I got to be like, not that I'm ever, ever, well, I would say not that I'm ever dishonest but up here, but who knows, right? You know, but I want to be really, really honest. I really need these conversations right now. Right? I'm in a race. I want a prize. I'm running for my Lord. I mean, can you think of anything better, any earthly accomplishment, any earthly pleasure, any earthly promotion that'd be better than having the great I am look you in the eyes and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. Can you think of anything better than that? And I have not, I've allowed things to hinder me. And now I've learned that my biggest issue is unbelief, right? Got to throw off unbelief. To run the race well, remember the witnesses. Throw off everything that hinders. Run, run, forest, run, right? Run. Don't sit. Run. Right? We all got our different speeds, but run. Right? Run. With perseverance, by training and trusting, you will be able to remain under all the troubles this world throws at you. You'll be able to remain under and say, hey, you know what? This world's not my home. I don't need it. Just give me Jesus. Amen? Would you stand and pray with me? Oh, God. What an awesome God you are. And Lord, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you for the opportunity. I don't mean to rhyme, Lord, but to be in this race. To run towards you, to run with you, to run supported by you. I pray for every brother and sisters in this room who, who wants to run well, that they realize that these words have power and these truths can make a difference. I pray, God, that they'll trust you in the hard times to develop the perseverance that enables them to remain under and that they'll, that they'll train so that they, when they walk between the chalk lines of life, the field of life, God, they have trained wisely. And God, I just pray, Lord, that even as we sing this song, Lord, Lord, that we'll know that regardless of what the world says about us, even what we say about ourselves, that who we are is who you say we are. In Jesus' name, amen.